Hey guys, it's Patrick. As you may have seen on the Discord, that's bit.ly slash crunch discord, Ethan and Emma had their baby, which is really incredible and exciting and fun for them. But it does mean, it does mean that Ethan gets uh, the day off. And so uh, luckily I had an interview in the can ready to go. Uh, I, I called the guy up and I was like, hey man, emergency podcast, get down the fireman pole, throw on your fire pants. We got a, we got a podcast. <laughs> um, the guy that we've got is, uh, his name is Owen. He goes by Owen Cyclops on, uh, on the internet at Owen broadcast on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, he's a Christian web comic artist. He and I had a great conversation about, uh, the journey of faith. If you are someone who uh, has struggled with Christianity in general or philosophy of religion and all of that, you're going to really like this episode. Or if you know someone who has gone through that, uh, this is this is a great episode for me because uh, I got to see what it's like for someone who didn't grow up Christian or religious at all come to uh, come to the conclusion that Jesus Christ is Lord and. It was a beautiful conversation. Uh, he's a really smart, really funny guy. Um, and Ethan pops in at the end because uh, he wanted to say hi to Owen. So I think you're really going to like this conversation, and I hope you enjoy. And now, into the episode. Welcome to The Crunch, the only podcast that lost a fight against Odysseus. My name is Patrick, and with me I have Owen Cyclops, hence the hence the joke. Owen, how are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm very happy to be here. Good. I, I We've talked a little bit before the podcast. I want to give you a proper introduction. So Owen, uh, for those of you who don't know, Owen goes by at Owen, is it underscore Cyclops on Twitter? It's at Owen Broadcast on Twitter and Instagram. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so at Owen Broadcast on Twitter, he is an illustrator and an artist. Um, he makes a very funny webcomic that I really I really like whenever it pops up in my feed. But also, he's recently produced something that I think is, I think could be his magnum opus. Uh, if <laughs> I, I don't I don't know, you're very young, so I, this this might not be the case. But uh, if you were to drop dead right now, God willing, that doesn't happen. <laughs> um, I this it was an incredible thing. He sent me some some uh, some sneak previews before it went public. But if you want to see what I'm talking about, I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, go to at Owen Broadcast on Twitter or is it on Instagram? Yeah, uh, Instagram, Twitter. My website's OwenCyclops.com or OwenComics.com if you're more comic oriented, which you may be. Um, so yeah, yeah, I didn't see it on Instagram because my Instagram got banned. I don't know. Um, well, you're if, too cool for Instagram. That's crazy. I know. I got, I got, I, I got the Zuckerberg uh, kick boot. <laughs> I got. The, I'm under the thumb of Zuck. Uh, I, I don't know what happened. It was like, and and as someone who makes their money off of the internet, you might understand my <laughs> my sympathy, my 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 situation here. But like, I all of a sudden I got this email that was like, "Hey, your your Instagram is is gonna get banned." And I was like, "Please don't do that." And they were like, "Sorry, <laughs> it's banned." I was like, "What did I do?" And they're like, "We don't know. It's just gone." Um, and so I was like, oh, well, and it's just gone. So I, I haven't been on Instagram in a while. I'm trying to restart my, my presence. Um, well, they didn't give you a reason. It's so, so tech Illuminati. They didn't tell yeah, you. That. It's probably because they knew I was going to become too powerful. That's what it was. <laughs> probably. But anyway, if you go, go check out Owen broadcast, see what I'm talking about. We'll talk about it in a bit. Um, but Owen, did I, did I miss anything? Is there anything crucial about who you are? The audience needs to know before we get started. No, I'm an illustrator. Um, I do comics and art, uh, 
that's basically my whole thing. And yeah, it's owencomics.com or owencyclops.com if you're not on social media. I do really identify as an illustrator. So like mm-hmm. I used to be more of a painter. I think of an illustrator as between like graphic design and fine art. So drawing, uh, drawing, drawing and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I mean, I definitely see that. Cause like, it's, you bring what, what I've seen in your, in your, in your work is that you bring like ideas to life, which I think is an Ill, a good way to describe an illustrator. Like you take, you, you took this idea that, 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 a, a, a patron had and turned it into something that was beyond what it could be in his head. And so like, I think that I think illustrators is an apt word to describe what you do. Um, you were about to tell me a story. I rudely interrupted you before we started recording because I wanted to capture it um, on 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 the broadcast. But uh, you, I asked you how you got started, and you were like, "I've never told. I don't really to tell this story." So I was like, "Oh, this is an exclusive hot diggity <laughs> We got it." So you you got started how? You're about to tell me a really funny story. I want to unpin that and and let you go. Yeah, when I was younger. Long, long ago, I, um, I happened to get really into graffiti and street art and things like that through sort of an atypical path. Sure, crimes, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. In the suburbs, <laughs> me listening to punk music. It paints a very cohesive picture uh, of, my, of my early life. But yeah, it's funny considering the arc my life took because I found this book about stencil graffiti, which is like mm. – if you cut a design out of cardboard and spray it, you know, the paint goes through the cardboard. That's what a stencil is, obviously. Sure, yeah. And it's funny because when I found that, I thought, wow, I can't draw, but I could do this. You know, I could definitely make this happen. And I got really obsessed with it. I took the road from there to graffiti and things like that. And I got far enough into it that I started getting into graffiti artists that had a pretty high level of skill. Um, people making things that look like they're 3d and like coming off Mm. the wall and things like that. And I realized that if I was going to go further, I needed to actually learn how to draw and paint. So it really changed the course of my life because I just went online and somehow I found this network of classical drawing and painting studios and I got my parents to take me there and I started going there and I made the jump from, you know, making stickers and doing little bad graffiti in my suburban neighborhood to doing real like classical oil painting and drawing and things like that. Um, the kind of thing like, you know, where you set up some fruit and you're doing a charcoal drawing Mm -hmm. of it for weeks and weeks. And I always told myself I was going to go back to, you know, the graffiti world, but then I just never did. Um, and I just took the road there from classical drawing and painting onwards. Wow. It's, that's I think that that's cool that you like got into this into this like into this art world through through graffiti. I I I've always had a, an appreciation for graffiti. There used to be this like I don't know if you can call it graffiti, but it was it was kind of like a mural in my hometown. There were a bunch of like these kind of avant-garde murals that would go up randomly in the middle of the night. You'd show up and they were there. Um, yeah, it yeah. really like gave the town kind of a flavor that I don't think it would have otherwise. Um, yeah, it's funny. I think it definitely affected my psyche more than I generally think, you know, I really just cut the cord and left it behind and probably didn't think about it for years and years and years and years. I really almost never think about it now, but you know, I'm anonymous online. There's the anonymous mm -hmm. factor to it. There's something about it of just doing something and presenting it and just, uh, having it be just out there for people to see. I guess all art is like that, but it feels yeah, more, just, it feels more like it if you're just putting it up on the street at night and then, you know, going home and people come see it the next morning. Somehow I feel like even in the classical art world, 
no matter what I'm doing, that almost is how I engage with art. Like here I am, yeah. this semi-anonymous person doing my thing and it's just happening in this like public space. It kind of suits the internet perfectly actually. Really? Yeah. Cause I, I, I would, I was about to say, I was about to uh, think it was the exact opposite. That's interesting. Cause like internet, the internet right now is so focused on personal brand. It's interesting. Cause I was, I mean, it's like, it's like the, it seems like you're more interested in the effect that your art has rather than, you know, the personality behind the art, you know, like the first person that comes to mind is like, Oh, it's like a Banksy, you know, it's like really, it's edgy. It's like this, this specific artist has his personality, but it seems like, how, how have you found that on, on the internet? Cause for me, it seems like the, my art is always tied to like my personality and my personal brand. That's really cool. Yeah, honestly, man, that's something that I wrestled with so hard when I was, because use a graffiti term, like coming up in, in the mm -hmm. art situation, you could say, because mm -hmm. uh, I went to art school and I was getting pumped so hard with exactly what you just described, that the art can't be separated from the person. You know, here's this painting, but you need to write like a paragraph about it and put it on the wall. And then that's yeah. kind of the lens through which people will engage with it. And I really tried so hard to break from that. I, it was really vexing at the time because I mm -hmm. just wanted to have people look at what I was doing and not think about me. So I did this project one time where I made this like little uh, magazine and like collection of drawings and it was presented as though it was from like 10 different people, but they were all me. Um, I did this thing where I, uh, you know, basically just things like that, where I was trying to mask who I was and I was kept getting pumped and pumped more and more with like, you have to be part of the narrative. You can't separate it from yourself. And I think that that tied with a lot of the modern art and other things I was getting pumped with, um, really made me turn towards religious art at the time. I wasn't always mm -hmm. religious. I am now maybe obviously. Uh, but yeah, I really just turned towards this world where it was the total opposite. I mean, if you think about mm -hmm. What we're describing where you're like, oh, this isn't from this artist. That's why it's worth millions of dollars. The opposite really to me, at least intuitively at that time was here's this painting of uh, the Virgin Mary from this anonymous artist in the 1230s. We have no idea who made it. And he probably <laughs> just did it because, well, he probably had to have to get some money going. But ultimately, it probably was a devotional thing. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of that, that, that was also a big like turning point for me. And uh it was a big part of bridging the gap between the religion and the art, which is now where I operate a hundred percent. I'm really right where those two Venn diagrams overlap. Yeah, sure. Cause you get that, like you get that like anonymity of like, you know, there's, there's the, the, the Caravaggio's of the world that it's like, this is a purely, this is obviously a Caravaggio painting because of, you know, the, the, the different lighting and the different, you know, the realism and all that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's really not about him. It's about the emotion that it evokes in the viewer and whether or not it inspires that devotion that you were saying. That's really, so it's cool that connected, that connected to religious art. Was it like a conscious, was that a conscious connection? You know, it's funny. It's, it's, it's funny. Cause I'm like, here's my life story condensed into like this, these two anecdotes. But, yeah, um, <laughs> I think, I think it was kind of conscious, but also there was a subconscious aspect of it. I hit this wall um, where, you know, like you can imagine me getting sort of tossed into art world situation, life, everything we're talking about that really wasn't my vibe at all. And I think that subconsciously or spiritually intuitively, however you want to say it, I turned towards ancient books, older books, those are religious. So it all sort of came together to paint this picture. 
And it was in the world of religious art that I really found myself looking at mm. religious artists. I was like, oh, this is the kind of person I am. E even before the ideas came at first, it was a relationship of, oh, like these are my people. I'm, I'm finding the people that are sort of doing something similar to me in the world of all those, let's say, semi-anonymous religious painters from all mm. over the world. Yeah. You connect like this, this. I mean, it, it's funny. It's funny to connect, you know, 12th century uh, sacred art to like posting things on the internet. But I do think there there is that connection there, right? It's like, I mean, the um, what what you produce. I, mean, I know you produce web comics, right? But you produce more than that. What what are the things that? What is the kind of thing that you produce that makes you feel the most connected to that heritage of of anonymous, you know, sacred artists? <sighs> That's a great question, man. Um, that's, that's what they pay me the big bucks for. Yeah. 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 Um, a lot of the graphic work that I do or the single images and things like that, I feel connect me to that world because I like that we're hitting a lot of the big ideas, like right off the bat, <laughs> because <laughs> in, in a way there's this aspect of art and being an artist where you're kind of meeting your cultural milieu, if that makes sense. You know, you can't really separate yourself from the time period that you're in. So in a way, I feel like over time, that's sort of why I became more of an illustrator than a painter. The way that those medieval artists would be participating in their cultural milieu is sort of the way that I see myself participating in my own cultural milieu. To say it more simply, it's like, yeah, you're a medieval person. You walk around, there's like stone stuff. And uh, these paintings that are all sort of a similar flavor, but different in your village. So you're going to do something like that. I sort of feel that way in this time. You know, you go online, there's all these images. I'm like inserting myself into that world. There's this world of graphics and um, a visual culture that we have. I sort of insert myself into there. Um, so I can sort of take it both ways. On the one hand, it's yeah. like just the still images that I do that are more serious, that are more classical kind of, you know, I do make images of like angels and things like that. Mm -hmm. There's sort of an obvious connection there, but in a way, even the web comics and stuff make me kind of feel that way. I'm just this little craftsman in my little house on the edge of the village. And I, mm -hmm. I come in the town square and I have my little pictures I made. Um, <laughs> so it sort of connects on both ends, I guess you could say. Yeah. I, I, I feel that. Yeah, sorry. Say, obviously if I'm doing like an angel or something, then it's like, it's kind of a more direct connection. Yeah, sure. It's not, it's not, you know, web, web comic angels. I, I, I kind of feel that with like, with like writing, I have this, this desire in me to be like the medievals, you know, I want to, I want to do the Aquinas thing and, you know, be the philosopher in the stone tower writing with a quill about, you know, I, I like, I, I, I'm inspired by that. I feel this in me, like wanting to be that. But I constantly have to bring myself back to like that kind of thing is not going to speak to my cultural moment. Does that make sense? Oh, dude, definitely. That is for me, that's like one of the difficulties of being an artist that's like traditionally oriented, whatever tradition oriented kind of means to each individual person. Mm -hmm. You have to sort of step back and be like, but I'm part of this time period. So what does yeah. that what does that mean for me? Um, it means blogs is what that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably actually. Yeah. Which doesn't like feel glamorous, you know, but in, in, in years time it might be, or even if it's not, it's like, this is, this is what's going to reach people. You know, it's, I mean, you could, you could try and do Caravaggio paintings that hang in cathedrals, but like, 
is it going to have the same impact on is is it going to have the same culture is it going to be appreciated by people who might not know christ right like is it going to be appreciated by people who is it only going to be appreciated by people who already have a kind of cathedral mindset does that make sense yeah definitely yeah i mean and some people do that i mean i'm sure you've seen like i don't know what you would call this like school of painting but like the modern classically styled oil painting Mm -hmm. a lot of it is really really powerful and awesome for me Mm -hmm. i think it's it's hard to distill down to like a rule or like formula but i think it has to do with like the genuineness of what the person's trying to do and engaging with it in that way i mean i've seen like sort of um they're they're sort of popular online in the in the spheres we inhabit there's one of um i want to say saint nicholas slapping arius in the face but it's this classical oil painting you can tell it's modern but it's sort of his classical style yeah that's really awesome um so yeah ultimately it was more about me like finding my way of genuinely engaging with all of that everything we just covered it's also interesting for christian art too because you know that tension is kind of like inherent in there also you know Mm -hmm. in some of the best art in the world is the Renaissance art, right? So it's Catholic, obviously. It also is kind of Italian style. So you sort of have both. You know, if you ported that over like Scandinavia, it wouldn't be exactly the same. It would have that Catholic essence, but it wouldn't really be Italian. Or maybe it would be a little Italian because of the influence. You know, it's interesting kind of mapping that out. There's There's like the cultural and then the dense core that doesn't change. Yeah, and the the diversity is something that's always interested me because you hear a lot of discourse on the online about you know what is what is beautiful, and it does tend to be this like medieval or not medieval, it's this Renaissance Italian style. There's a lot of talk about I don't know if you've heard this term, the Catholic imagination before. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard that term? Do you like? I mean, maybe like more more broadly speaking, like let's let's take I I I I, I must confess, I don't quite know what the Catholic imagination is. I have to be honest. <laughs> I don't quite know exactly like what that means. But if you had to say like if you had to describe what our current cultural, I guess, tradition or imagination is, like how would you describe it? Well, our culture like at large or like the religious sphere. Hmm. I, w- I was going. I was going for more at large. I think, but if you have an answer for religious sphere, I'd love to hear that too. Um, well, you know, it's interesting because even though I am an artist, a huge part of my work and life has been understanding and working with worldviews and mm. things like that um, for a variety of reasons. So I have I have thought about it a lot. It's a little bit difficult to answer, I think, for the culture at large, because I think that one big characteristic of, let's say, this culture at this time, speaking like way too broadly, is this kind of feeling of like, well, actually, we, we don't even have a worldview. We're kind of just normal. And it's sort of this this lack of awareness of having a worldview, if that makes sense. You know, I it's imagine- like a hodgepodge, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I imagine if you went back to, you know, the golden age of Islam and asked someone about their worldview, if they, if, if, if they had that sort of like meta awareness about themselves, uh, maybe it's a scholar or maybe it's some random guy is all I meant. Uh, they would say, yeah, you know, I'm Muslim, I'm X, Y, and Z, you know, but I feel like a lot of people in this time, especially if they're not religious kind of just feel like they 
are just normal. They just have this, you know, they wouldn't say like, well, I'm a modern person. I partake of, you know, humanism and, and X, mm -hmm. Y, and Z. Maybe they'd say, you know, I'm science oriented. I'm a very scientific person if they were feeling that way. So it's hard to say. Uh, the religious sphere is a little bit more tangible, but then also you, it fractals out into all these different paths. Um, a lot of my work has been about American Christianity and trying to just get a grip on that and what that is and all its different manifestations and facets. And you can, I guess I'm walking away from your question a little bit, but you kind of tripped my imagination with it when you mentioned the aesthetics and everything, because I think within the Christian world, that's something I find crazy interesting, man. Like you have the Catholic cathedrals that has its own aesthetic, but mm -hmm. then within American Christianity, at least there's kind of a reaction against certain hyper aesthetic things. You know, if you made a caricature yeah. of certain Protestant churches, I'm not, you know, saying they're all like this, but if you made a caricature of it, sometimes it feels like you're just like in a room. Like it's just like, it's literally sure. just like a normal room, you know, or you have these uh, stripped down chapels that are kind of cathedral-esque if you like took everything out of it. Right. Like the classic American country church, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then yeah. there's just something about that, that I find really deeply fascinating. Maybe it's because I can almost see where everyone's coming from with that. And mm -hmm. I don't know. There's something I'm not really answering your question, but there's something about that I find so interesting. And then as someone who works with aesthetics, it just goes like 10,000 layers deeper. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. Yeah, no, I, I think you did. I think you did answer my question. Maybe, maybe I, I'll try to, I'll try to rephrase it, and you can, you can correct me if I'm, if I'm mischaracterizing it. I think like the, the, um, you said like you're just in a room. It's like the, the, the current. I guess maybe we're gonna pare down to the American, very, you know, maybe middle class imagination is like, what is essential. What is actually necessary for me to experience X? Maybe it's beauty. Maybe it's God. Maybe it's like, you know, truth. What, what do I, what do I need? I mean, you hear this in like, in kids, right? When they're in school, you know, what, what, what do I need to know to pass the test? Like, what do I need to know? Like, I'm never going to use this, you know, getting rid of excess. And like, maybe there, you can, you can argue that maybe there's bad things to that, you know, like not everything needs to have this utilitarian purpose, but I don't know. Let's look at the good, right? It's like what I guess that, that question of like what is what is um necessary to you know achieve my goal, whether that's make money, tell a story, fall in love, whatever, you know, find beauty, et cetera. Is that is that correct? Like the in a room thing? Yeah, no, yeah, totally. And maybe it's just because of uh my own background and everything, but I feel like that also for me is just screaming the parallel of within the Christian world itself so much of the dialogue I feel like and issues worked out over or not worked out over like centuries and centuries sure. is kind of the same thing of like, what is essential? I mean, honestly, sometimes it feels like a lot of like theological discourse boils down to that. Like, is this essential though? You know, like, do we really need to do X or is that just like yeah. a, a quote unquote like tradition or mm. uh, so yeah, man, it's really interesting. Yeah. Is this, is this like, you know, I mean, it's the, the, um, it's the, it's the, to use a polemical term, it's the pro, it's the Protestant question, right? Like it's this alone, this alone, this alone. 
do I, do I need anything more than scripture? Do I need anything more than faith? I was having these conversations recently and it's a, it's not, it's, it's, it's trying to step outside of my, my Catholic perspective, my cradle Catholic perspective and like understand where people are coming from recently. This is not who I am naturally. I'm a very, I'm a very selfish person. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They're trying to step outside and like, see, you know, what are, what are my, what are my Christian brothers and sisters, you know, looking for, we're discussing Mary, right? It's like, is this really necessary? Um, and it's like, yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, you know, I, I've always taken taken this this side of my faith for granted. So let's talk about that. Like, is this really necessary? And I'm, I'm, oh, I'll, I'll try and be open enough to to ask that question and not be like, you know, the classic Italian Irish Catholic guilt of you can't ask that question. That's a bad question. You know? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and, yeah. And a huge part of my situation has been like going into all that and like kind of trying to figure it out. Um, a part of my background, I guess, that would be relevant to all this in general is I, so you mentioned being a cradle Catholic. I did not grow up Christian. I grew up Mm. in probably the least Christian environment possible. I think I actually just knew like two or three kids who were, you know, genuinely Christian. And I didn't really know that much about it. Probably the least you could get in America. And then when I became Christian, I, you know, it's like I walked into this, uh, I don't want to call it an arena. That sounds a little bit too combative, but this, um, stadium, this world. Yeah. And I was I didn't, combative at times. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it's like, I didn't really know anything. I was like, yeah. so, I mean, is the Pope like in charge? It kind of seems like that's the case. Or do <laughs> I only need the King James version of the Bible? Like, do I need this? Like, what do I, like everything we're talking about was like hyper practical or imminent for me because yeah. I was like, I have 20 different people all telling me totally different things. How do I even begin to get a grip on this and working through that. I think it definitely came through in my art a lot. It came through in my posting a lot also. Um, but that was like a big part of my life. It still is actually, um, you know, upstairs I have like, like probably actually hundreds and hundreds of these books Mm -hmm. and going into, Oh, here's this point of view. But then what does this person say? Um, and yeah, a lot of it boils down to exactly what you were just saying. Like, well, do you really need to do that? Or, you know, um, so I think that's also sort of dovetails with the cultural stuff, fleshing out worldviews and things like that. Um, it's been What's like that, that I had to do. Yeah. When you were like, when you were like grappling with that, what was like that? What was like the most difficult thing to grapple with? I'm, I'm interested. <sighs> um, at first it was questions of like authority you could say almost like what i would call like informational authority um that was really the most difficult at first because it's funny sometimes i feel like i'm a microcosm for like these larger like you know historical arcs and stuff but (laughs) i could i I became christian and then i was like oh well yeah i'll read the bible (laughs) obviously sure Um, yeah you're reading it but then you're like well what does this mean i mean i'm reading this this or or what is the deeper significance of this or what but then when you hit the commentary, you're hitting, you know, if you don't know anything, you're hitting 20 different people that are telling you 20 different things. Yeah. So that became the first thing that really had to be addressed. Um, and that was pretty difficult, man, because even just, you know, oh, I'm reading this commentary. This guy's Anglican. I don't really even know what that means, really. I mean, I know they're English, right? But like, what's the deal with that? And even sure. just answering that question is a whole you know, how many books do you have to read to figure out what being Anglican <laughs> really means? Like two or like a hundred? Like, I don't, I don't really know. Um, so that was the, that was the hardest thing at first really. And then it became a question of like practically like what I 
need to be doing? You know, like, am I going to confession? Am I just reading this book in my room alone? Do I, you know, am I, am I going to a church and then I'm building fellowship with these people? But like, Mm -hmm. actually, I'm not even really sure about any of this stuff. So am I going to like the Baptist church down the road and telling them like, Hey, I'm kind of just still figuring it out, I guess. But then why am I going there instead of the Presbyterian church down the road? Yeah. Um, So I'd say it went from like informational authority to fellowship and things like that. Um, those would be the two first, the two first big stops. Sure. In the trains, I guess. That's a, that's a crazy thing to navigate. I'm, I'm, I'm just reflecting on my own privilege in, <laughs> so to speak in like, you know, not, not having necessarily to grow up because like in, when I grew up, it was just like, well, this is the Catholic church where I go. You know what I mean? Why would I not go here? It's where I go. Cause my mom just took me there. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah so just like, yeah, this, this, this feeling of, you know, home homelessness almost. I don't know if that's a good way to characterize it. No, dude, that's, that's really what it's like. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, it also puts me in an interesting position or it did. And actually it still does because, you know, we'll talk, I'll talk to people and then they'll say, well, you know, just go to the church your parents went to ultimately. And I'm like, well, they didn't. Well, what about your, what about your ancestors? And I'm like, Like, I'm going far back, bro. I'm going far back. back (laughs) Well, yeah. And then if I go far enough back, it's like, well, yeah, maybe my like, uh, great grandfather, father on my mom's side was Baptist, but like, I don't know. Maybe he was just Baptist because he lived, you know, in Alabama. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, dude. Maybe, or maybe he felt yeah. crazy strongly about it. I wasn't there, you know? Um, so it's been really and Baptist back then feels different than now, you know, even. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. I honestly, I think the big positive thing about it was that I really landed. Yeah. So I really feel like I got like at least two, you know, really positive things out of it that have really affected my spiritual life in a good way, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is that I really stopped seeing metaphysics as a test of fellowship. That was a phrasing I kind of parsed together and really landed on. Interesting. I, I really, I thought I was going to get to this place where I was like, oh, here's like, this sounds very like naive and combative, I guess. But I thought I'd get to a place where I was like, oh, here's my team. And like, I'm going to put on the team jersey and like, I'm going to tell the other people on the other teams, like join my team. But I kind of got to this point yeah. where I was like, you know, everyone's trying to figure it out. And like, even if I think they're wrong, I mean, they're just trying to figure it out like I am. Like mm-hmm. it really made me a lot more, I guess you could say empathetic in that sense. That's really the two things actually. Yeah. It made me a lot more empathetic and understanding. And I also started to see, not that people don't have agency, obviously they do. But when you see like these long historical arcs, it becomes a lot more difficult to see like one person in this large arc and say, hey, I know what you should be doing, and you should be doing this, and here's why. Um, so yeah, it kind of took the pressure off of me to put on this mantle of like, I'm going to tell other people what to do, which is not, uh, it sounds absurd, but sometimes I feel like that's a subtext of certain theological debates. I'm mm-hmm. in this really interesting spot where I love it. Like I love the discourse, and I love frankly, like arguing about it and debating about it. Like I'll literally just listen to debates about theological minutia in my free time. Yeah. But I feel like it's set against the backdrop of, yeah, like someone's right, someone's wrong, but we are just trying to figure this out together. Yeah. Uh, So I was really kind of happy about that. I really, (laughs) it really kind of was pleasing to land in this space of like, okay, so exactly what I just described. We're figuring it out, but it's not like swords out, you know, swords drawn, (laughs) figuring it out. Definitely. And it's a great place to be because there's a lot of freedom in that, you know, where it's like, yeah, this is fun. I, f- I mean, when I when I was in high school, you know, I was, I was kind of like, I, I mean, I did have this moment of realizing that I wasn't taking my faith too seriously. And my first stop was 
um, apologetics. You know, like why do I, why do Catholics believe the thing that they believe in? A lot of it was confirmation bias, if I'm being honest. I wanted to like know that I was right. And I wanted these polemical, you know, kind of stop, get these levies against doubt, you know, be like, well, this is why we believe this. This is why I believe this, this is why I believe this. And, you know, in, in my, in my, my high school adolescent uh, pride, it was like, and that's why everyone who doesn't believe this is wrong and, and they're just dumb and not thinking. And there's, it's taken a lot of time to like unlearn that, you know? Um, but there is that like freedom in, in talking to someone being like, you know, all will be revealed at the end of the age. We're going to figure this all out eventually. And God's not going to get mad at us because we didn't get a perfect score on the test. You know, it's like, we're going to, we're going to get there at some point. It's just, let's do it together. Let's not do it. You know, let's not sin on the way to figuring out what truth is. You know, it's like, get to the, get to the, get to the meat of it. I do love, and what, what it, the, I guess I'm talking about the negatives, what it did, what it did bring about in me was that positive that you were talking about. I do love debates. I love hearing different sides. I love, you know, getting into the nitty gritty about, like you said, metaphysics is always interesting to me. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, it definitely, it made me feel like, I guess, see, it's funny because like whenever I bring this up, I sort of have to pad it of like, I'm not saying it's like totally relativistic, like, you know, everyone's right, like it doesn't really matter. But it really shone the spotlight on the fact that I feel like what I love about theology and the minutia and the philosophy of it is like getting to know God mm-hmm. in that way. There was this point where I sort of crossed over this line and I was like, oh, I feel like I'm kind of learning about this person, not to like oversimplify it, but you know, if I was going to get to know you, that would involve me knowing, well, you know, what would you do if X happened? What would you do if Y happened yeah. uh, in your internal mind? You know, do you think of things this way or do you see things this way? And you can sort of map that out a little bit in a way if you, you know, expand it quite a bit to God. And that's really how I feel about theology now. And I think that's really ultimately why I love it so much. There's really just something about digging in to the details of where it's, Mm -hmm. oh, well, if God has this quality, then that means X, Y, Z, and that means A, B, C for our relationship with him. And then if God, you know, has this property, that means this about this and building out those like sort of castles and climbing up them is that's like honestly one of the best parts of my life, man. I love it so much and it bleeds like right back into my work, um, whether it's comics or the art or anything, because in a way I feel like I'm trying to show people this thing that I love without pushing any angle on it. Um, maybe it's again, part of my background that we discussed, but yeah, like when I was growing up, man, I was a hundred percent one of those people that was like, Oh, religion is like just superstition. It's fine. Mm -hmm. If you need it, I don't really need it. Um, so maybe that's also part of what motivates it is I'm like, this field of study is actually so much more awesome and fruitful than I ever could have thought of when I was much younger that, I don't know, it paints a, it paints, there's, there's some arc all the way through it that I can almost see. Yeah. There's this, there's this guy that I, I think has that sim- a similar attitude. I keep seeing him on Twitter. He's like, he's got this podcast. It's like, uh, um, and it's, it's, it's an atheism podcast. It's like a religion philosophy podcast, it's like answering atheism or something like that. I don't know. Have you seen him? Uh, maybe I might know who you're talking about. I've had, I've had a couple of interactions with him, but he, he's, he has that kind of attitude of like, he just, he just gets a lot of fruit out of the discussion. And it's, it's very, it's very nice to see that like he, he like congratulated Cameron Bertruzzi on his conversion to Catholicism, even though he's not Christian or Catholic. Like he's like, he was like, congratulations that you found that. Like, that's really, that's really great. He's like genuinely happy that people are finding you know, their way to 
what you know they found. And it's not a relativistic thing. It's like, I'm happy that you're progressing on your journey towards finding what's true, um, which I think is a great, a great attitude. Um, I want to go back to the phrase that you said earlier about metaphysics. Can you repeat that? Cause I want to, I want to remind, I want to remind myself about that. Uh, metaphysics. When I said metaphysics is a test of fellowship. Yeah. I, I want to explore that a little more. Can you, can you like parse that out for me? Yeah. Well, I think I picked up that idea from this group called the restoration movement. There's probably like a hundred restoration movements in Christian history. Sure. I took that name. Sometimes it's called the stone Campbell movement. But it was some, it was pretty cool his, historically because, you know, talk about like taking um, inclinations and tendencies to their logical conclusions. Mm-hmm. Basically, these guys, it was in Kentucky mostly that I read about it. But, you know, they took the sort of, in my opinion, tendency in certain Protestant groups of, hey, you know, all these denominations, like, can't we just be Christian? Can't we just be, you know, followers of Jesus without all this, you know, stuff we've accumulated over the centuries and centuries? Yeah. And they really tried to do that to the extent that these guys like got together and basically dissolved all their organizations and severed their ties with every group and just started making churches that were called the Christian church. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're, it's funny, actually, if you're around certain parts of the country, you'll see like Christian church of, um, you know, Morganville. And if you're driving mm-hmm. past, you're like, aren't most churches Christian? But it's actually like a remnant of that sometimes. This of idea. that movement. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because as I went further into it, um, that was sort of part of their vibe was like, you know, um, let's not see the way that we're interpreting these different things as a test of fellowship with each other. Like you're mm-hmm. Christian, you take the New Testament, so do I. That's enough for us to be like brothers in this organization. In my opinion, I'm editorializing now, but it kind of didn't really work out as they planned because eventually they had to sort of draw the line somewhere to oversimplify. Yeah. But there was something about that, that tendency and that um, approach that I think really affected me because I think mm. it illumined part of how I already felt. Um, sometimes I almost feel like the different denominations are like people groups, you know, like the Baptist people or, you know, the Orthodox people, like you can sort of see them as like, it's like little nations in a way, I guess. Yeah. And I really feel like a kinship with these different groups without simultaneously saying, you know, yeah, I accept everything that you take. I, I accept everything that you're saying. I, I'm a hundred percent on the same page as you. That is like a separate department from like my kinship with that person. And mm. that never really went away. And I think as I've gone deeper and deeper into more weird kind of semi-obscure topics, that's just become more the case. Like I know some churches, you know, there are churches that split up over something like infant baptism or something. That kind of makes sense to me. I could actually kind of see that being the case. But then if we talk about something like, you know, God and his relationship to time, and we're talking about, um, you know, methods of divine foreknowledge and well, does God know the future because he sees the future or does he know the future because he's so intelligent that he happens to know how everything would work out. And then he can see these other ways it could have worked out, you know, things like that. Yeah. It's like, dude, I mean, that's awesome. And I love it. And like all day, like I'm, I'm here for it really. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Yeah. But it's, but it's not going to be like a dividing line. Um, yeah, it I also probably, it also probably fits back into, you know, my own history just because, you know, yeah, everyone's probably had some situation where, you know, some issue became a divider between two people, maybe them and someone they were close to. So I definitely have like a very lean back tendency from that without collapsing into the, 
yeah, everyone's right. Like it doesn't really matter, you know, the relativist mode that you talked about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think the tendency when, when that becomes the case is like the, the difference becomes overemphasized to the point where it's like, okay, so let's say, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not very, um, I'm not very well versed in the way that, that, that the various churches have split up, but you know, it's like you have, you know, the Baptist church, uh, the second Baptist church, this confession, confessional, you know, uh, Congress, you know, yeah. uh, versus the other one. It's like, if the difference is merely one believes that God has divine foreknowledge versus God has divine prediction, you know, it's the way you distinguish between those two is you ask someone, Hey, how does God know the future? And then all of a sudden the most important thing about your faith is how God knows the future, which is not the most important thing. You know, it's really not the most important thing. So it's this like, there's a tendency. And I, I do, I do believe that the Catholic church has the, is, is true. Um, but there is a tendency when you think about these differences to overemphasize. Yeah, definitely. And also it's interesting because like, yeah, I mean, even if I, I really actually do feel like a lot of the differences, it's funny, you mentioned like, you know, the first confession of 16, whatever. It's funny because when I dug into that stuff, I expected to be like, oh, none of this really matters. But actually I was like, oh, I totally see why two people would get in like a huge fight over this. Actually. I'm sure it doesn't matter. I'm sure it's not the divine foreknowledge thing. I'm sure it's other things yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. they're not to celebrate communion every Sunday, you know? Yeah, I guess, I don't know. There's something about it for me where it's like, maybe because I've I've had, uh, I don't want to be like too dramatic about it, but you know, everyone's had like those relationships where it gets like, I guess soured is a good word for it. Mm. By a disagreement about, could be about anything. I mean, maybe it's usually not religion, but yeah, it's like, I'm sort of always holding back that last, like pull the ripcord of like, I mean, that's why test of fellowship, I think is the phrase that sort of stuck in my mind. It's like, I'm not deploying that as a test of like whether we have some kinship with each other or are, but that's really just the perfect word for it. I'm not deploying mm -hmm. that as a test where it's like, Hey, if I jump in your brain and you don't have this box checked, like we're not cool. Like I just sort of mm. recoil really far away from that, which mm -hmm. I'm sure, I'm sure people would, you know, not characterize themselves as doing that. But, uh, but yeah, man, it's been really interesting. Yeah. Like I, and like I said, we covered it before, but me sort of coming into the Christian world and trying to find my place in the tapestry and, getting a map on the ground. Um, yeah, it's been a really awesome, crazy part of my life. So if like, if like metaphysics is that test of fellowship, like what does that look like in your interactions with people? Isn't that test you mean? Or sorry, isn't, isn't sorry. Like what, what is, um, what is like, what is someone, what, what is someone using metaphysics as a test for fellowship? What does that look like? Um, that's a good question, man. Well, we could probably, I think it's easiest to take sort of the extreme examples. Um, you know, like if a Jehovah's Witness comes to my door, I I sort of see them as like, yeah, like you're another kind of, frankly, weird. I'm a weird guy. Like you're kind of a weird person <laughs> trying to figure it out. Um, and I feel like a kinship with that person, honestly. That actually happened to me here, you know. And my oh, wife's yeah. like, my wife's giving me like to go get them, like you know, tell, like she wants me to like get like an argument with them, just probably yeah. It's, it's, go tell them about like, John one, honey. She knows I like enjoy just theological debates, and she's like, oh, yeah. it's in real life. But um, I guess some people wouldn't feel that way. Some people, mm -hmm. I think, some people definitely would not feel that way. I don't want to like pathologize that because someone could easily flip it on me and say, well, you know, if you really think that. You know, like, like you're like, you're sure, a perfect, yeah. like perfect example. If you really think, you know, the Catholic church is the um, fullness of truth and is Christ's church, 
you owe it that, to that person to tell them, like, how are you just going to like sort of lean yeah. back and be like, oh, that's crazy. Like, oh, it sounds like the watchtower is interesting, you know? So someone could very <laughs> easily flip it on me, um, which would be totally fair and valid. Um, but for me, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, just the vibe. Maybe I've turned the knob down too far, but I definitely just, I don't feel like I get this like electric kind of sensor set off. Also, you know, where I live, uh, I live in what would be called the Bible belt, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people really don't hold back, man. They really, I mean, Mm -hmm. which is, Hey, maybe they feel that way. Maybe it's great. But you know, I was at a, a coffee shop the other day and this woman was talking about how, you know, this one county is the Baptist county and this other county is the Catholic county. And I won't say which way she was pitching it, but she was like, this is the good county. I'm like, that's the bad county. And that's why. And I was like, wow, I'm really just getting a cup of coffee right now. Wow, like, yeah. you, don't, you, don't know, you don't know what my vibe is. I mean, I'm open to it. But um, yeah, I guess I've kind of just accepted that I'm like a pawn on the big chessboard. And like, I mean, it sounds weird to say I know my place, but like I'm an artist. I'm into weird stuff. Uh <laughs> I'm not really trying to tell other people what to think or do while at the same time, I'm really into, you know, the whole conversation. And I don't think other people should not do that. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to stay here forever. I don't know if I'm going to stay camped out here or if the highway leads to some like hyper definitive conclusion and then I'll sort of erase all this and be like, no, I figured it out. Yeah. Go hey, delete, delete all my old podcasts. Like I changed my mind. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, man. Yeah. That's kind of just like the whole, the whole vibe, I guess you could say. And I think people will maybe respond to that in the art. I mean, I guess I like my own art obviously, but I think there's something about, we talked about the internet and engaging with the internet on its terms and everything. I think everyone kind of recoils a little bit from a certain style of like, uh, there's a certain kind of like, let's take a really safe example of like self-helpy posting where someone's mm-hmm. like, I know what you should, Hey, but Hey, I know what you should be doing and you know why you're not feeling great or doing great or you know why your life sucks because you're not doing what I'm doing. And let me you tell take you, cold showers. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> like leans back from that. Yeah. Um, so maybe I got lucky and it just kind of suits me. Maybe I'm a little bit too wishy-washy. I could, I could take it either way. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely think there, there's that. I, I follow a lot of these like rise and grindy, uh, uh, in influencers on, on, on Twitter just cause I, I, I like them. They're, they're kind of, they're, they give me, they entertain me. Some, a lot of, a lot of them are like writing based. So it's like, Hey, stop using adjectives or whatever, you know, uh, it's not something they say. That's, that would be crazy to stop using adjectives. Um, (laughs) but a lot, they, they have this kind of meta humor within their, within their, uh, community of like, you know, everyone has the same advice where it's like, all you got to do, you know, to cure your depression is just start drinking more water. You know, it's, we kind of do that with the faith too, where it's like, all you have to do is and it's it's because it's it's because we want we want a simple it comes from a good place right we want a simple answer to complicated problems but based on what you've been telling me is like there's you haven't really found a simple answer to your problem of like what is true you know there's really not a simple answer i'm i'm floating in this well it kind of goes back to the thread that we talked about a second a second before we started recording but i'm kind of floating in this weird place where I feel like a lot of metaphysics kind of boils down to whether you accept it or not, or whether it just makes sense to you. And like the just would be underlined with like 10 lines of Sharpie. Mm -hmm. And when I get to that point, I'm not really sure how much logic or reasoning can be applied to it because it's almost like meta 
logic and meta reasoning. Here's a really good example. Mm-hmm. Here's a tangible example of what I'm talking about to make it not like weird and abstract. Um, you know, I'm reading this book. I, I'm, I'm reading this book and it's, you know, I read a lot of like 101 books and it's talking about God. And this author says, well, you know, there's no, there's no maleness in the Godhead, in the Trinity. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading that and I'm like, well, you know, Jesus is male. Jesus is part of the Trinity, right? So yeah. what? And then, you know, you go into it and it's like, well, you know, his maleness isn't an essential part of his being in this particular way. And I sort of get to this point where it's like, this is ultimately just going to boil down to whether I think this like checks out or not. And whether yeah. something like checks out, I don't feel like, uh, it's sort of a weird place to be in. Cause you're, how do you like meta test that? How do you, you know, it kind of just boils down to if, if it spiritually accords with you, if you're like, yeah, that's true, I guess, or it's not, but I don't feel it's in the realm of debate in the same realm as like, you know, something like gun control where it's like, we can lay out the facts, we mm-hmm. can lay out the mm-hmm. figures and get on the same page. We I can talk like about stats, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's just like a perfect example because, and I use that example with people in real life. Like I, I sometimes just ask people like stuff like that. I guess just normal people just to see what they think. And it's funny because some people are like, yeah, of course, what are you talking about? Of, of course, there, there's maleness in the Trinity. Jesus is male. Like, what are you talking about? But then I'll find yeah. other people who are like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, of course not. Like, like, and, and you get the polarized reactions, but then whether you think it's true or not, I feel like it ultimately comes down to who you accept as authority or yeah. if it just makes sense to you. And if you find someone that it does or doesn't make sense for, I guess one of them's wrong and one of them's right, but it's so meta. I don't know, man. I think that's part of why there's like a weird, like wishy-washiness to what I'm saying. Cause it's like, yeah, it probably is one way or the other, but I can't tell if it's beyond the horizon that we can't grasp grasp fully, or if it just is. And there's like this spiritual element to truth that you kind of have to just feel or, yeah. you know, it's like right over the edge. And I'm like, man, what is the nature of gripping this and figuring it out? Oh, really? Another really yeah. good one, just because I thought this was interesting too, was God the Father. I, I posted this thing online. I eventually deleted it because I was getting so many like hyper polarized responses. <laughs> I don't like to, like, intention- I don't like to intentionally yeah. be the person who's like, let me intentionally like antagonize people. Sure. I, I was reading something and I just innocuously, I really didn't mean anything by it. Was just I posted like, is God the Father actually male, or is it metaphorical? And it was really mm. funny because. I got people being like, which I'm fine with. I, I, I appreciate the heat online. It's all good. People being like, you're, can you believe how dumb this guy is? This is <sighs> incredible that he wouldn't understand that clearly it's, but then they would answer both ways. Some people would be like, yeah, obviously it's a metaphor. Like, are you an idiot? And then other people would be like, dude, it says he in the Bible like 10,000 times. Like, are you a moron? Um, but then how do you like prove that? How do you, you know, yeah. I guess I'm toying around with that. Like maybe like spiritual truths, you just sort of, feel them and know them spiritually. I don't know. Yeah. And it, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's that, that is one of the most interesting examples for me personally. Like, I, I think that, that's, I think I, that's a really great example. Cause I, I think like the, the maleness in God thing, cause I think the part of the point of metaphysics, I, I really resonated with metaphysics when I was in, I was in uh, college and I really wanted to, um, I really wanted to like, you know, get to know, okay, like these are the parts of the soul and these correspond to like the three person of the Trinity and all that stuff. Like I love like numbers when they work out, you know, like threes and sevens and all that. stuff. I love that. And for me, a lot of it was, you know, okay, getting, getting through the metaphysics part and then getting to 
theology and being like, okay, and here's how Jesus like knocked all of that down. Like here's this, here's this like tower that we've set up here, these Lego blocks we set up. And here's how Jesus just like took all that and just pwned it, you know, like, like, oh yeah, there's no maleness in God. Okay. But now there is though. Like, okay. So, um, you can't have the accidents of something not change. You can't like have the being of something change without the accidents changing too. Okay. Except for the Eucharist. All right. Okay. So like you, you can't, you can't have something that is both infinite and finite. You can't have, God can't change. Okay. But now he did because he became man. Right. It's like, it's so, it's so confusing. Cause like you hear these, the metaphys, the metaphysicians will say these things about God as okay. Well, Jesus did that. So like how, and I, I, Again, I don't want to get to that point where it's like metaphysics doesn't matter; it's all relative, whatever. But it's like I do think there's there's something we have to we have to grip with as human beings. Whereas like what we're dealing with in God is something that we cannot understand, <laughs> and like we we can know things, but we cannot we cannot exhaust the mysteries of God. And I think I try to do that because I'm so confident in my brain. I must have a big big brain, you know. I must be able to <laughs> exhaust the mysteries of God, but I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Exactly. But for me, for me, it's interesting because honestly, sometimes I can't tell if I'm being totally candid. I can't tell if I'm like just an idiot or if I accidentally like hit up against this wall of like, oh, maybe this really is like a fundamental intrinsic part of being Christian because in my experience, those two things are not mutually exclusive. (laughs) So true. Um, it's almost like exactly what you just said, where you're like, okay, here's this argument that checks out on paper, but then look at this part of scripture where like, there's literally no way, there's no way to square this or like, look Mm -hmm. at this thing that checks out, but Jesus did this, right? Didn't he? And that's just so interesting, man. Um, I really have gone around in like some interesting passageways there. It's part of why, how we, how we first initially interacted online, was the Platonism thing and the Greek philosophy stuff. Because yeah. for me, as I go further, the door of, I guess we just can't understand this, or I guess we can't know, is kind of like closed to me. I feel like I closed it because for me, it's like, well, if I can't understand any of this, then like, what am I doing? Like literally, what am I doing? I might as well just mm-hmm. go like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I got to change the game up if I can't, if it's like totally mysterious beyond human knowledge. I feel like a rock that I never was able to turn back over was the Greek philosophy influence on Christianity thing in general. I find that to be such an interesting pocket to poke into, especially in terms of people's personal worldviews, because at first I was like, oh, these are best friends, like Greek philosophy, Christianity, like this is like peanut butter and jelly, man. Like these these go, (laughs) these just go, man. But then as I got into like Neoplatonism and all that stuff, what I expected was... I I sort of had been versed in Platonism and Neoplatonism via like esoterica, like Western esoterica, Mm -hmm. that being just like weird, um, magic-y, Pythagoras, astrology stuff and things like that. Yeah. So I was familiar with it. And then after Christianity, not after, but after that all happened, I went back into it just to kind of flesh it out because I was like, oh yeah, these are like best friends. And honestly, it's funny, man, because what I was worried about in a way was I was like, I'm kind of worried that when I go back into Neoplatonism, I'm going to be like, oh, this is the answer. I'm going to be like, oh, all Mm. the Christian stuff that I like, it's actually just pointing to the truth of Plato and Platonism and Neoplatonism and Greek philosophy. And I was kind of worried because I was like, I really don't want to like fall out of Christian world because I love it here, but I'm, I'm very honest with myself. And if I look at this stuff and that's what happens, then that sucks, but I'll do it, I guess. 
But dude, the total opposite happened. The total opposite. Where when I went into yeah. like Plotinus, Plotinus being a perfect example, he's like a Neoplatonic philosopher. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait, this isn't like the core of Christianity at all. Like I, I guess again, like maybe I'm dumb. I was like, I thought I was going to find like the dense philosophical core of Christianity. But actually I was like, dude, this is like the opposite. Like this is not really Christianity at all, which makes sense because yeah. Plotinus was after was, Christ. He didn't become Christian. Like it's not like he didn't get it, right? Uh, well, I guess it is actually, maybe he didn't get it. But yeah, man. And then going into that was super interesting because, you know, yeah, it's like they're friends, they go together, but there are these like fundamental differences, obviously. And poking around in there has been insane, dude. That's been like one of the main things I've been doing since like the last year, maybe like last summer or a little bit beforehand. And it hasn't stopped being totally, completely insane, dude. Because there's the surface layer of like, yeah, Plato, like Plato's writings, like, yeah, we get it. Mm -hmm. But then there's like the deeper layers of like, here's this like presupposition and metaphysical framework from Greek philosophy. And it's like in Christianity. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, I guess this is supposed to be here, right? I mean, why wouldn't it? But yeah, there's a crazy, right? Yeah, there's a crazy tension. I mean, there's some, there's some, there's some kind of apocryphal stories. Like Augustine attributes, in I think in City of God, he like attributes. uh, He says, "Oh yeah, uh, Socrates knew the prophet Jeremiah," like stuff like that, and that's not true. But and he recants that. But like, it'd be it'd be nuts. I mean, there's there's reason there's reason to believe that like the Greeks and the Hebrews interacted because. The four the four cardinal virtues appear in the writings of Solomon before they appear in the writings of of Plato, right? So it's like there's there's definitely some some overlap there, and there, there's a tension though because like the, the other thing is uh, Saint Paul is gonna go I forget what it is in Acts, but it's such a crazy story. In um, he's gonna go to Asia Minor, he's gonna go east, and then he says that all of a sudden like the spirit stopped him and turned him west to go to Greece, and like that's how Paul got to Greece, and that's how Christianity and and the Greek. Uh, philosophical tradition started to interact. So it was definitely like divine that the, that the Greek philosophical tradition would meet Christianity. But at the same time, um, not all the writings of Aristotle were known to all of the theologians until like St. Thomas, like St. Thomas in the 1200s, he, they, all of a sudden a new book of Aristotle came out and they found one and he was like, Oh no way. And like, he was one of the only ones who got to read it at that point. And at the same time, like, so like not, not the entirety of the Greek tradition had not been available to Christianity for the first 1200 years. And on top of that, one of the, one of the most, one of the most influential theologians in Islam was Averroes and he was an Aristotelian. And so like, there were other things in Aristotle that were explicitly not Christian because, you know, it was taken by these, these. so like, I, I do think, I do think people do tend to overemphasize how much Greek philosophy fits with Christianity um, it's not a proto gospel. It is good. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna knock it. It's a great way to explain things, um, but it's not divinely inspired by any means. Yeah, you um, know, you mentioned yeah. you mentioned something like this, but uh, Clement of Alexandria mm-hmm. said that Plato cribbed his whole like thing from Moses. He said like Plato basically got <laughs> yeah. it from Moses, uh, and uh, what else? Which would be so yeah, funny. He, he he wrote one of his books. I forget what it's called. It's the one before the stromata, I think. Oh, no, actually, it's in the stromata. I have mm-hmm. it upstairs. I got it for this reason. But he basically presents Greek philosophy as a proto-gospel. He basically is like, yeah, like this is what like geared up the Greeks to like, accept the gospel. It's just sort of an interesting wow. historical note. Yeah. Um, 
he, he has a weird background though. Cause I think he actually was like origins teacher, which if people know what we're talking about, that kind of is a weird, uh, I don't want to say red mark, but it's not like the biggest green yeah. flag in the world. Or so origin, origin wasn't like, didn't, didn't hit at all. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's interesting. He's not saying origin, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting too, man, because I think part of why, like, I'm sure someone could see me being obsessed with all this stuff and they're like, you know, why does this matter? Or like, why do you care? Or like, you know, why do you think you're going to like get a grip on this or something? But for me, I feel like my background also makes it like very practical and, and, and I don't know a word to use pressing, I guess you could say, because mm-hmm. my background, I was really into Buddhism, new age stuff, esoterica, Western esoterica, things like that. And like throughout that whole world, I was like, yeah, God's real. But like, I kind of had part of like the popular conception of God, in my opinion, which is that God is kind of like a, if you, I feel like if you ask most people who aren't Christian, who maybe aren't religious at all, who think God is real about God, in my experience, they'll kind of give you an answer like, yeah, like God's real, but God's kind of like this, they wouldn't say this, but like fuzzy cloud of like nebulously positive qualities mm-hmm. or God's like the unity between things and stuff. And I was like, yeah, God's kind of like a principle. It's like this like a fuzzy nebulous cloud of goodness is like just the perfect way to paint it. And that's awesome because you know, that, that, that it's just kind of a principle. It can't really get mad at you. You know, you kind of get to play in like Reddit atheism world of like, well, why would this cloud of like unity and stuff care if I, you know, uh, drink too much or something like who cares Mm -hmm. really? Right. Maybe I'm not in accordance with it if I'm like a philosopher, but who really cares ultimately it's not going to like get mad at me or, you know, whatever. It's a cloud. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or it's just like a unity thing. And then coming into Christianity, I feel like what was the biggest 180 was like, oh, God is like personal. I mean, you talked about obviously Jesus, right? You're like, mm-hmm. oh, God God is like personal in the sense of like, I could like talk to him or he has, you know, maybe he'll get mad at stuff or, you know, it's it's not this gray, um, like mathematical principle or something. It's a personality, let's say, or it has a personality. Yeah. I'm not trying to like dumb it down. And yeah, it's just interesting because then when I'm floating around theology world, sometimes maybe not theology world, but let's say philosophy and theology world. Sometimes I'm like, Oh, this person is really describing that nebulous fuzzy cloud God. And this person over here is describing God as like a personal being that someone could actually have a relationship with. And mapping that out and trying to figure that out has been like really, really, really just insanely interesting, man. Just so yeah. interesting, dude. Um, yeah, that's basically the best way to say it. It's just like an infinitely deep thing for me because then sometimes I'm reading someone and I'm like, well, I feel like this description of God could almost square with my old like new agey, um, mm-hmm. you know, Western esoterica conception of God could this God, this person's describing, like, you know, be mad about stuff? Like, is this the God of the scriptures, you know? And then that has a whole can of worms open. Um, But that's been something else interesting. And it dovetails with the whole Greek philosophy thing, because sometimes I feel like there's this Greek kind of presupposition of like, this is going to sound really stupid. I'm kind of dumbing it down, but like the better things are, it's almost like the more kind of like abstract they are. I don't know if you can sense that like tendency in Greek philosophy, but it's almost like as you yeah. go higher up in the realms, it's like, I mean, Plotinus had that, the Neoplatonist, like his God was like the one, it was just this like unity principle. Um, and when he encountered it, he did encounter it in like contemplation. He didn't like talk to it cause it couldn't, 
talk, obviously. He just mm-hmm. like had an experience of oneness with it. To me that, you know, I couldn't think of something almost more antithetical to like the God of the Bible, let's say. Like when people talk to God in the Bible, he's like, hey, <laughs> hey, I'm here. Like I'm literally talking to you. Um, there's no ambiguity of like, oh, I'm having like a, you know, Buddhist enlightenment uh, merging with the glowing cloud moment. He's like, no, hey, like I'm here. Like I'm God. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm unfortunately we're running up at the end of our time. Cool. Um, I do. I do want to direct people towards your calendar that you made because it's one of the coolest things ever. Um, <laughs> That's awesome, man. Thank I you. was like, I when it when it went live, I I showed it to my wife. I held the embargo that you 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 placed upon me. Um, but when it went live, I showed it to my wife, and I was like, look at this. She's like, whoa, this is so cool. It's like I love. Like, I mean, it's so it's so detailed. It just tells about it for like maybe like thirty seconds. Tell the people what it's like, and then they can go buy it. They can go give you money, and they can purchase. It. <laughs> yeah. I spent almost two years making this full liturgical calendar in the traditional Latin mass, I'll say orientation in terms of the details and observances and everything. It's probably the craziest thing I ever made. Uh, actually, it definitely is. Um, if you want to check it out, it's on my website, owencomics.com, owencyclops.com, Twitter and Instagram, at owenbroadcast. And it's a killer holiday gift. I hate to like be the bizarre merchant, bizarre, B-A-Z-A-A-R or whatever. Yeah. But it's 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 a really solid gift. That's part of why yeah. I've been hustling so hard to get it ready for the holidays. And I hope people get some enjoyment out of it. It seems like they already have, but uh, I hope it enhances a few people's spiritual life if I can do that. Yeah, my co-host texted me. He's like, we got to get this for our studio when we build it. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, let's do that. Let's. <laughs> the nice. only thing I love more than supporting friends is supporting friends with uh, company money. That's what I, <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's what I love to do. Cool. So yeah, uh, you said it's, you said it's uh, owencomics.com, owencyclops.com? Owencomics.com is the comics. Owencyclops.com is the art. My shops are both there. Twitter's the main hub, but I'm also on Instagram. Great. That's the whole story. We'll put all those links in the in the description so that you guys know where to go. Owen, thank you so much for for being willing to do this. It was great, it was great talking to you. I'm, I'm, I've seen your posts on, on, on Twitter for a while. Um, it's been great to get to pick your brain and hear about your like journey and like you're 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 a very smart guy. Um, oh, Ethan is here. Cool. Oh, hey Ethan, I was about to introduce you. What's up, man? Oh, not much. I got my son here. Yo, hey. that's epic. Yeah. Uh, We're still recording, so you're like on the podcast. Okay. Well, hey everyone, I'm here with my son. Uh, he's two days old or day and a half. Oh I don't wow! Know what day it is? It's Wednesday afternoon. He was born <laughs> Monday morning at five. Um, oh. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome, dude. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show, Owen, on such short notice. Anytime, man. Yeah, um, I wanted to hop on because I just wanted to say how much I appreciate what you're doing. I think it's absolutely incredible just the way that you are so naturally yourself and your personality comes through, but you are unapologetically preaching the gospel. And uh, even if you don't know it, I think you're a great and amazing witness to the faith. Um, and I just really admire it a lot and I look up to it. So that's the the main thing I wanted to hop on and say, um, in addition to the fact that every cartoon that you do with the dog, I love every cartoon <laughs> with the baby, I love, um, I'm going to buy the liturgical calendar. It's going to go up in our studio when we have a video studio. Um, so just, just absolutely a huge fan. I love your DMT elves thread. I read it like once a month. Nice. <laughs> um, so just, uh, yeah, super grateful that you came on and wanted to share my appreciation for, for what you do, man. Yeah, that's really awesome, man. Thanks. That's really great to hear. Yeah, out of all the you know things that happen here, like when people just tell me that they get something out of what I do, that's like 
the main or only thing that really like makes an impact. I'm like, wow. Yeah, man. Thanks. I'm really glad you feel that way. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, sometimes I feel like, you know, things just, the, the studio sort of has a life of its own and I'm just like riding mm-hmm. whatever animal it is. But yeah, man, that's really flattering, man. Thanks. Yeah. And are you, I might be wrong, but I remember reading something. Are you based out of Kansas? Is that right? You might not want to say, but I am a mega fan of Kansas, okay. but I am not in Kansas now. Gotcha. Why? Okay. So I, I grew up in Kansas City, Kansas and went to school at Kansas State University. So I'm a big Kansas guy. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's funny. Yeah. The first time I went there, the landscape just made such a huge impact on me. It, it, we were just passing through and it actually made almost more of an impact than anything mm-hmm. else on the trip. Yeah. It was awesome, man. That's, that's amazing. My wife is from Nebraska and we, we live in Oklahoma now. And so every time we drive north, on I-35 to go visit our families. You can tell like the transition where you go from Oklahoma to Kansas and just the way that the landscape just flattens out and you start to see those sunsets. It's just absolutely beautiful and amazing. So I'm glad that someone else can <laughs> relate. <laughs> and it's not yeah, just when I was there, when I was there, I really was thinking like, Oh, if my life like took a different direction, I would just be like a monk in Kansas or something. <laughs> it's not, not a bad spot to be a monk. Um, yeah. So that's, we love the bread basket of America. We really do. If you ever eaten bread, you're freaking welcome, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we were, we were just closing up Ethan night. I did your part of the podcast where you say the, the only podcast that blah, blah, blah. So I guess yeah. I'll let you do, do my part. Uh, Ethan, do you have anything else for the people? Uh, everybody please pray for my son and my wife, Peter Gregory. Emma hasn't slept in 36 hours and she's just been sleeping for like 45 minutes. So please pray. Uh, first in Thanksgiving for a healthy birth and second, just for continued charity in our hearts towards our son and towards each other. Um, and thanks for listening to the podcast, even though I wasn't on it. I bet that's good for Patrick. That's probably, thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> it was fun. If, if our numbers are lower, I will, I will, I will fall into a spiral into a deep, deep, deep depression. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We'll be praying for you and we'll see you all next week. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.